The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We wish you all a happy new year and hopefully a fun 2024. Hopefully it's better than 2023 and, well, every other year up until this point. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we got another year doing the podcast here at the same time. A little under the weather, but we're here, we're making it, and we're ready to get rolling. Yeah, you know what? It, it's not a perfect start to the year, right? You know, got a little little, little bit of some sneezles, a little bit of some some coughs, uh, you name it. But you know what? It's going to make up for it with the sports happening right now. We're having the national championship coming up. We just had the semifinals. And on top of that, we're one week away from the playoffs. Fortunately, this isn't the same as, you know, going into the playoffs this week. But we're almost there. We're, we are almost there. We are right on the cusp, but we do got some playoffs we'll be talking about as well, too, from a few different angles. So there will be a lot of playoff talk here, but not in the traditional way, as you just alluded to. But, you know, I think that's as good as teases any to take us right into our first segment of the show. That's going to lead us into the tip off the tip off, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at SeatGeek. Use code BellyUpSports for $20 off your first set of tickets. So whether it's sports, concerts, or anything you want to go to, get $20 off your first set of tickets. And we talked about we talked about playoffs and the college football playoffs. They all started with a bang right out in 2024. We had a couple of highly t- contested, very close games that, considering the college football semifinals has a reputation of being bad. I'm just going to, we're not even sure, but they've been bad. They've been ass whoopings. They've been one-sided blowouts. They've been awful. This year, we got the antithesis of that. We got two absolute bar murders right down to the wire. And my only problem with them this year is whose bright idea was to schedule one of them to start at 845 on a school night right before people have to go back to work on New Year's. Like, start them at 3 and 7 Eastern time. This was Criminal, that should have been a federal offense, and I demand somebody be prosecuted for whoever made this schedule. Yeah, that was rough. I mean, I was awake at 1 in the morning when this game finally wrapped up. They go, 1 in the morning. Why Why are we putting a game, an important college football game, after prime time? I get you want to get the West Coast audience. So do it at 3 and 6, not at 5, or what was it, 6, 30, and 8, 30. That's just dumb. Like, come on, guys. And then on top of it, the game on the West Coast, the Rose Bowls, the one you started earlier. Yeah. That doesn't even make sense either. If you're gonna start a late one, pick the one on the West Coast time. At least, yeah, at least I mean, I guess I guess New Orleans is central time, so it was only like 12 o'clock their time when, when the game ended. Um, but you know what? Hey, I I mean, what was it last year? Georgia winning their college football game at the stroke of midnight. Uh, you know, like come come on. I get it, it's it's a romantic thing if it's actually on New Year's Eve, but it wasn't on New Year's Eve, it was on January first. People and that's the problem. The next day, this was criminal. This was offensive. Someone needs to. Someone needs to answer for this right now. Yeah, I mean, really. I, I'm beyond that, though. I gotta say, a lot of fun. Uh, really fun games. Really exciting. Take it from you know whatever side of the the teams you fall on, whether you were a Michigan fan or a Bama fan or a neutral, or you know you're a Washington fan or a Texas fan or a neutral. It was exciting. Uh, I mean, from top to bottom, I think that was one of the most exciting duo of semifinals we've ever had i know last year was a pretty good setup of the, of the semifinals this year definitely topped that with one overtime game and one almost comeback from texas absolutely you bet you the first one overtime michigan alabama exactly what we kind of predicted bet the under and expect a lot of defense and then there was a little burst of offense for both teams at the end Jalen milro bacon plays down the stretch and then blake corb once again being blake corbs put putting a cap on it with that game winning touchdown in overtime as well and Unfortunately for Alabama, the low snaps just seemed to get to him. Uh, the low snaps and the Milrow unable to handle some of them. It is shown on that last play. RPO option, the running back is out there. You have the swing pass. He has the angles. They have the numbers. 
But unfortunately, unable to corral that that snap, and it kind of turned into a oh snap moment where Miller had to try and run into a brick wall. And if you're Alabama, that's got to make you, I'll say sick, I guess, for a lack of better terms. But that's that's a rough way to go out in a game where it was back and forth. And you never really know with that game because Michigan's not exactly known for scoring in bunches or quickly. Honestly, we're both, I don't know about you, but I'm surprised they even got to 27. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I talked about this before. I thought this was going to be a very close game. My prediction, like what I have written down, was 28-24. Um, was what I had in this one. So almost right. I was I was pretty close, actually. I got to say, I was pretty proud of myself for being close. Um, but yeah, this was a top to bottom. I, I mean, it was a defensive matchup, you would think. However, truthfully, it was a lot, a lot of ineptitude from offenses, too. Uh, I mean, realistically, you're looking at Michigan. I, I don't know how many just bad blocking schemes I saw in this game and how many times we're going to run the ball three straight times despite the fact our quarterback is a rumored First round draft pick talent. I have not questions. Not on this side of the screen. Definitely not over here. Not seeing that. Yeah, and then you mentioned the the snap issues with Bama. I mean, that was a, that was a crime in and of itself. And then you almost felt like Jalen Noro was kind of almost back to early season Jalen in a lot of ways, where he was almost afraid to run the ball. Like it was almost like he was very hesitant through the first three quarters, and then the fourth quarter hit, and he's like, "Oh, oh, wait, guys, I remember now. I'm one of the toughest guys out here and the fastest. Let me go off on a thirty yard sprint." Forgot to mention, guys, I'm Derrick Henry playing quarterback full-time, so good luck, everybody else. And that's when you finally saw Alabama's offense start to click a little bit. That leads Michigan heading their way to the national championship, which they're going to be facing off in our other matchup where we had Texas taking on Washington. This was the, uh, if you could have an antithesis of Alabama and Michigan, you got to hear with Texas and Washington. We saw a quarterback duel, to say the least, as well. Michael Penix. I don't want to say it was his best game of the year, but damn, was it, it was a close. He was throwing absolute laser beams all across the field. Roma Dunze, first-round pick. If Marvin Harrison Jr., then a Dunze, Neat Nabbers right there. He's in that conversation. He's absolutely fantastic. They they were lighting up the field, honestly. If they, did, they stalled once or twice in the fourth quarter, tried to kill the clock, and that's when Texas took advantage. But other than that, Washington was as prolific as it gets offensively. And Texas, we kind of talked about it, too. Like, they're not necessarily explosive, but they will take everything that you give them and a little bit extra too. Like they'll always find a way to make something happen. And for me, who bet Washington in the over, I'm giddy because that one, although the end of that one had me a little bit nervous when Washington almost just gave it away in 10 seconds. But what an absolute barmer. And it didn't go to overtime, but it might as well have. Yeah, I know. It was an exciting game, top to bottom. I mean, you you saw a lot of what my why Michael Penix was a, was a finalist and why he was the runner up. In some people's eyes, should have been the the Heisman Heisman Trophy finalist or Heisman Trophy winner um if you will um not just a finalist so yeah i mean he was exciting from top to bottom that offense is so exciting but let's not forget that defense that defense was a uh, pretty pretty staunch at, at times in this game i know say what you will texas is probably going for some shots on some plays and then it just that you know obviously you get behind the behind the downs and you can't get ahead of them but really that washington defense started out the game strong now it didn't finish the way that it's finished that way but it started out strong Start out strong enough, I should say. And then Washington's offense is just like, hey, by the way, not only can we run the ball, or not only can we throw the ball, we can run the ball with Dylan Johnson. Unfortunately, he goes down with injury late in that game as they're trying to ice it. Really, that last drive, really, which is why Texas had an opportunity to come back and and, and tie this one up or, or win this one. And, uh, yeah, Texas, on the other hand, I mean, I talked about it in the, in the precursor. If Quinn Ewers can be perfect and hit his throws, you look really good. Well, unfortunately... He started out this game not good. Through three through, through three quarters, he looked not good. He looked like a guy that was about to be replaced by Arch Manning at one point in time. I do remember in the fourth quarter seeing on the sideline them showing Arch Manning warming up 
talked about potentially seeing Arch Manning coming in this game. And I was like, this, this is not good. And obviously he got figured it out late in the third quarter into the fourth. And they, they, you know, got back on their horse and that defense and, you know, talk about big defensive players sweat in the middle of that defense. That dude should be a first round draft pick. Have thought of, I mean, I thought he was a borderline first round draft pick up, up until this point. I seeing what he did in that, in this game, not just up the middle stopping runs, but literally ranging from sideline to sideline at almost 400 pounds or 360 pounds. It's impressive. It's, it's literally like watching a little tiny version of baby, uh, Jordan Davis. I say a little tiny just because he's slightly smaller than Jordan Davis. Ever so slightly as well, too. A mammoth among mammoths, if you will. Like, just slightly less mammothy. If that's a, if that's an adjective to describe defensive linemen, we're going to have to add that to our draft season. It is mammothy and less mammothy that we're, we're adding to, the, we're adding to that, it as well. That'll be the classification for defensive linemen. Is he a mammoth or is he less mammothy or is he not a mammoth? Or is he a woolly mammoth? That's a different level as well, too. He's flirting with woolly mammoth and mammoth rage. There's no doubt about his mammothness at this point. But I also kind of want to turn to you. You mentioned Quiddy Ewers as well. A little bit of a okay-ish game, but that fourth quarter and third quarter when they needed it most, he was throwing laser beams. He was putting the ball on the money. The touchdown to Adonis Mitchell, perfect placement on the fade route. Even the last one that got broken up, so not a whole lot. But you can't throw that anywhere else. You throw it a short back shoulder. Mitchell's not looking. He's not going to be able to get to the ball anyway. So, like, he yeah. looked really good. I still think he should come back next year. I know there's a lot of talk about coming up, but I think he, I think one more year at Texas that he's looking at a first round pick, almost solidified with him, Shadour, and some of those other guys next year. Yeah, I agree. I wholeheartedly, I, again, this is something we talked about in the last, the last episode for the game. I believe Quinn Ewers is a guy that was a Heisman Trophy favorite up until that injury this season. That injury hits him this season. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like, well, there he goes. He's just a forgotten man, if you will. To, re, to be replaced by Arch Manning at one point in time. And that's not true. This this guy is still a good player. Let's not forget, he's only played two full seasons. This is only his second full season as a starting quarterback in college. Everybody forgets he started at Ohio State, did not play, <laughs> and then transferred to Texas, where he then he started, obviously, last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, he's a talent. There's an absolute proof that he is a talent, but if he can stay healthy, and this team can, for the most part, stay together for the next year, especially those receivers. If they can stay in Texas, at in Austin, I think this team is poised to go back because let's not forget their running backs are, I believe, a junior and a freshman. And so, yeah, outside of their obviously sweat in the middle of their defense, there that I don't know how many other guys are leaving. I think it's only one other guy that's on their starting eleven is leaving their defense. You lose a couple linemen, but Texas grows those like. You know, your grandma's garden grows weeds. It's it, it just they sprout up out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and and that's fine. The ball for two point four. Oh, sorry about that. We lagged out for a little bit on there, but I I do got you. You're right. They grow. They do grow like weeds. And on top of that, I think Mitchell's going, but you can replace him at receiver, as you mentioned. Texas could kind of grow those on weeds as well too. They'll be right back at it once again. It was kind of funny because they showed the they showed Arch Manning and uh, Quinn Ewers with their press conferences. How Arch Manning had an entire group around him, where we saw, and then we saw Quinn Ewers kind of sit by himself, looking over his shoulder. It kind of felt like Matt Saracen and JD McCoy from Friday Night Lights. Is what it felt like as well. It's like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? I feel like the way Quinn Ewers played, he should go into next year as a starter. And I'm not saying Arch Manning needs to transfer or anything like that, but I wouldn't rule it out at this point. Like I feel like Arch Manning can still take the job from him. Not ruling it out. But right now, Quinn Ewers has proven, and he's shown it on the biggest stage Texas has played in since 2005. He played one; he played a very good game when it mattered most. So, kind of agree with you. I think he should go in as a starter. Obviously, anything can happen, but I think that's a dangerous team next year. Although, 
they will be in the SEC next year. So we will see if that makes a difference as well. They're in the new vamped, revamped SEC, which means there are no divisions in the SEC. So it's not like he gets matched up with every SEC West team for their sake um, is a good thing. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's a tough schedule for Texas. Don't get me wrong. It's a tough schedule for Oklahoma going to the SEC. But you know, with, I, I do think to your point about Arch, I don't know if he should transfer. It depends. Does he does he does he focus on glory? Like, is your personal glory more important than winning a national championship and developing as a quality quarterback? Because I think if he wants to develop as a quality quarterback, he's he he stays. It's just fine, Quinn Ewers for another year. And we've already seen Quinn Ewers is not the healthiest of individuals when it comes to playing on the field. So you do have an opportunity to get some playing time. Malik Murphy was able to to you know take what he he learned at Texas, apply it for four games, and then now he has a great transfer situation going into next year. Um, you know, maybe Quinn Ewers sits. We or not Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning sits. Quinn Ewers gets hurt. I don't hope that on anybody, but Quinn Ewers gets hurt. Arch Manning gets three, four game situation there, shows he can play, and then now you go into your your junior year, mind you, your junior year ready to start. Now it's a little bit like old school college football. If anybody remembers those days before the transfer portal, guys usually were juniors when they were starting quarterbacks. There were very few freshmen. There were very few sophomores. The days of Tim Tebow and Jameis Winston were not yet there. Johnny Manziel did not yet exist. Um, you know, that, that like people forget it wasn't very, very long ago that, you know, guys were sitting for two years before starting and that was acceptable. That was an acceptable scheme. It's how Nick Saban made his career and why he's built a system and, and in that career. Uh, but yeah, I do think Arch Manning should stay. I think Quinn Ewers should stay. And I think th- together and with with their head coach, as much as he's been through in the past, you throw that away and see what he is as a person and what he's doing for these players. He's done a lot for these players, especially for quarterbacks, just developing and putting them into, into, into a good situation to succeed at the next level. Whether they eat all his warnings or not, that's a completely different story. Um, looking at some of these USC quarterbacks like Matt Barkley. But they all speak highly of what, uh, uh, even during the trough, tough times in which he went through um, in those days. They all speak very highly of him as a coach. And so it's also always something that if you're a young quarterback looking to develop, I think you have to stay if you're, if you're Arch Manning. I don't, I don't, but then again, I'll say this. Then again, we're talking about the Manning family who literally the, you know, I guess for Arch, his grandpa told his uncle to not go into a draft or to tell a team that was going to draft him first overall, I will not go and play for you and held out for another you know, for a draft day trade. So that all, I mean, who knows? Who knows what the situation is? Who knows what people are telling him behind the scenes? Personally, I think Arch Manning should stay, though. And you mentioned it. He might get some playing time next year if Quidiers does get banged up. And who's to say he gives the job back? Maybe he comes out there and he lines it up and we see he takes over from there as well. And there's a reason he chose to go there, Steve Sarkeesian. His biggest fault is he could get Julio Jones at the end zone when he was in Atlanta. He could not get him touchdowns for some reason, but he still knew how to – everything else he's done just fine. There's a reason they went there. Texas, I don't want to say we're back like Sam Ellinger, but they're as, as back as they've been since Vince Young days. So at this, and I guess Cole McCoy can't dis, can't disregard those years. But yeah. at this point, might as well hang out one more year. If nothing else, you could have a redshirt year in there. The way it's going now, hell, the two, three of the quarterbacks of the Heisman Trophy finalists are twenty four or twenty three at this point. Like it's not unusual at this point to I mean, stick around a little bit longer. The way it's going now, Texas doesn't make a big bowl game next year. He could enter his. He can enter the transfer portal as soon as the regular season's done. Transfer to a team, play in that next bowl game, that season's bowl game, and then continue to play the way that everything's going out. As depending on obviously the lawsuit, but it's at least extended for another twelve months. So we'll have we'll see how that goes. I, I, that's a whole other story, obviously, and a whole other conversation. But it's part of it. I mean, the way it's going now, you almost basically have tr- trades, but you don't get anything in return. 
I gotta say too, I really hope that they change that thing and moving forward as well too. Like transporter, I'll fight to daddy, but I would I think they should have the bowl games, the playoff, everything before the transfer portal. Because you're basically doing your off season before your season's done. Like just flip everything backwards. Like play the national championship game in December, play all that, open the transfer portal January 2nd after the New Year's six, whatever you want to do with that. I don't know if it, there's a way to work around it, but look how many people sat out the bowl games this year because it's like we're transferring or we're not playing. Like Florida State and Georgia was a freshman team versus starting Georgia minus Brock Powers. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, there were a couple other, you know, holdouts for yeah. for Georgia. But, I mean, you're, you're right. It was four holdouts for Georgia and then some, a couple of injury guys. Um, Brock Powers was injury, technically. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Uh, but, yeah, then you had, what, 26, 24? Uh, opt-out. I think, like, 18 of them were starters or something like that. Yeah, 19, uh, uh, 18 of them in major time. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, look, Hugh Freeze said it. I know I don't like the excuse he gave. I think he should still be coaching, but he talked about how he was having to split time between recruiting these guys in the transfer portal and actually coaching his team, getting ready for the bowl game. He left a lot of it up to his assistants. And yes, while you have to leave a lot of it up to your assistants, I don't like the idea of you know, using that as an excuse. But I agree. I do think there needs to be a time limit on the transfer portal to open. I do think it needs to be at the end of the season. Like you get to, to week three, it's kind of like no different than a trade deadline. Like you get until a certain point in the season, then it closes down and does not open up until the end of the season. Should just be that simple. It's very simple. Let the cause, let the the transfer portal should not be the big story before the national championship game. It's like if the NFL opened up free agency in the draft before we got to the Super Bowl and took like a month off after after the regular season wrapped up. Can you imagine us waiting for wild card weekend until like March? That'd just be silly at this point. Like that's kind of what they do. But that's yeah. a job for another day. We will dive too much further time. We got our matchup: Michigan taking out Washington. Ah. We got the Pac-12 still alive, taking out Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Try, finally got the monkey off his back in the playoffs. Kelsey, which direction are we going to? We taking the Huskies from UW or are we taking the Wolverines from the great Midwest Michigan? Yeah, I've talked about this all season long. Um, I believe in Washington. I believe in Michael Penix. Uh, I said whoever won that trio of games um, in the in the Pac-12, whether it be USC, whether it be Oregon, whether it be Washington, that's my that's my that's the guy I'm riding with. That's the quarterback I'm riding with for the season, whether it be the Heisman, whether it be the <laughs> championship uh, playoffs. That's the guy I'm riding with because I think that's the toughest schedule of anybody right there. It's going through that trio of, of quarterback, offensively, you know, minded quarter uh, teams. There's not a bit. Not I don't think there were three better offenses this year. I, despite all of USC's issues, I don't think scoring points was one of them. Um, not at all, too. Like <laughs> there was no issues when it came to scoring points. It was stopping it and just making sure Caleb Williams didn't get greedy and throw a bunch of pictures. But even in those games, he still put up 25 usually. So it's like they had no issue scoring points. And then there was those other games like Oregon State, Washington State, some underratedly good Pac-12 games in there as well. Yeah. So there's it wasn't like the Pac-12 of old where there's like one team that stood out that just kind of beat up everybody. There's Utah in there that's always a tough out for everybody for no oh, reason God. whatsoever. So there's a lot of tough matchups in there. And I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm going to stick with the Huskies on this one as well. Kind of early season was when we talked about too. Like, I like this team. It, if the Pac-12 gets any love and someone runs the table, they should get it. Then we found out the Pac-12 was actually not just kind of good. It was the best conference in college football this year. I don't say it feels like destiny because that's cheesy and cliche and where we don't do that here. But damn it. Could you imagine the last year of the Pac-12, a Pac-12 team getting the national championship and the first one in the college football playoff history? So it's, it's always earmarked. And on top of that, I don't trust Michigan's offense. It is... It's Blake Corum save us. And while that is usually a pretty good option for the most part, honestly, I think Washington could do enough to put pressure on them offensively. I think they will find some holes in that in that defense. They'll block up the front seven well enough. And as does as anyone more accurate than Michael Penix in college football right now is like uh, I know Jay Daniels won the Heisman trophy, but 
I don't think anyone's throwing the ball better than Michael Penix right oh, now. Bonix. Bonix is the only one that I can say did it just because he broke the single season record for for completion percentage this year. He beat Mac oh. Jones. So there's a little Auburn Alabama rivalry in that. I'll add on to that. How about your how about your eye test though? Oh no, I mean I test Michael Penix. There's nobody yeah, that throws that's what, better. Yeah. The some of the throws he made in this in in the semifinal game. If you don't look in all of these, I don't know what I don't know what sport you're watching and what sport you enjoy, because he was throwing balls that I haven't seen thrown by a quarterback since I'd say the mid two thousands. And I don't mean just college quarterback. I mean NFL quarterbacks. There's the the arm talent he is showcasing was the truest form of quarterback play I think I've seen in a while. I mean, really, this was like watching Tom Brady throw it to Randy Moss, except for there were guys actually covering his receivers. Randy Moss was running away from receivers at the time. Like, this was incredible. He dropped some dimes in there that were just, I don't think, I think at one point in time, one of his receivers didn't know he caught the ball. The ball was placed so perfectly. It was just like a 40-yard bomb over nowhere, and he didn't look like he put effort into it. It almost kind of looks like Phillip Rivers' slingshot a little bit. Like, it almost (laughs) looks like that, just not as egregious. But it is still pretty, not a pretty... Uh, wind up but it is still a very very pretty ball to watch fall and i, I think yeah from a pu- purely quarterback play washington man they have the favorite here and and look again i'm not going to take anything from blake corm or from that offensive line which will have four starters that were first team or second team all americans um obviously the fifth that would be there is zinner he was injured unfortunately so he won't be playing but you have four guys that are all Americans out there uh, pu- pushing the line for for quorum, so that you gotta have quality run game. But I don't trust JJ McCarthy, just like you said. I've said it a thousand and one times. I don't think he's a good professional quarterback. I think he's a good college quarterback, but I don't think he's a professional level quarterback. And I think this game will be decided by a professional level quarterback. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be I, honestly, it's gonna be fun top to bottom. I don't care which way it goes. I think the biggest concern for Washington though goes to Dylan Johnson. Obviously, can he play? If so, how effective is he? And if he doesn't play. How can you keep a balanced offense? Because their balanced offense is is a deadly thing. Absolutely, absolutely as well too. I look forward to this one. I'm glad it starts at 7:30 Eastern time as opposed to 8:45 slash nine. So at least we'll get a decent kickoff time. So I'm looking forward to that as well. It's gonna be one heck of a game. We both look forward to it as well. Can't wait to check this one out. But that's gonna do it for the tip off. That's gonna take us into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show. That is the main event. And the main event's a little bit magic, I guess you could say as well. A little bit magic is right. Yeah, if you guys don't know, obviously our good friends over at Magic Mind have sent over some uh, product for me to test out in the last couple of months. It's been fantastic. If you guys haven't heard the story yet, I've been struggling a lot with daily, you know, daily drowsiness, a lot of fatigue, even falling asleep while I'm at the office, which is not a good thing to do if anybody's ever done it. Please, please find figure it out. Um, it is, a, a, you know, it's been an incredible thing. It's not necessarily there to like replace everything. It goes along with your daily morning routine. Um, it just is an assistant throughout the product through the process, and it helps out with products like matchas in there, ashwagandha, um, lion's mane mushrooms, it, a lot of products in there that'll help you sustain energy throughout the day without getting the ex- drowsiness or the drop in, in energy levels at the end of the day. Um, very basic, very or I say basic, very. Simple. abundant products in the nature uh, they're not we're not talking about somebody just made some genetically engineered stuff and threw it in a bottle this is actually stuff that's actually naturally found um so good for your body as well um you, you heard guys like joe rogan call it a new tropic they you know, obviously we all know how joe, joe joe rogan feels about new tropics um but no it's been absolutely fantastic i've loved it now we're going on our third month of being able to talk about it and uh, it's been fantastic and they did give us a great deal if you guys haven't checked it out yet um go check it out and you can go to 
high low or magicmind.com slash Jan J A N high low um, to find out more and use the code high low 20. And now you can get an extra 20% off, which gets a total of 75% off. And this lasts till the end of January. So hurry up and get it before it goes away. This was just 50% off last month, but now we're going, we're jumping up 75% now. So you get one month free when you're subscribing for three months at the website, magicmind.com slash Jan Hanlow or high low. Sorry. Ooh, can't even spell our own name. Uh, and also if you guys are near a Sprouts grocery store, check it out. They are brand new in stores right now. Um, if I was there nearby one, I'd already have them stocked up. Instead, I am constant re- replenishment order off of Amazon at this point in time. It's been fantastic. I love it every day. Um, don't believe me. Here's my empty bottle from this morning. Um, so no, it's ab- absolutely fantastic. Go check it out as always. Absolutely, as well. So you mentioned Kylo 20, get 50% off that subscription order plus that 25% off. Get yourself up <coughs> to 75% off. Definitely looking forward to that. Speaking of something, something to keep an eye out for, though, the Bears are officially on the clock now. With the Panthers having the worst record secured in the NFL, what are the Bears going to do now? Got the number one overall pick, but Justin Fields is looking awfully good. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's, my, that's my simple answer, right? Like, you have Justin Fields coming up and and looking like an absolute savior for a team that needs a savior at quarterback who has never had a quarterback who can produce like Justin Fields. You have guys that offensively are okay. I mean, you've had some better quarterbacks at times. You've had some worse quarterbacks at times. You have Rex Grossman in there. Um, not the best offensive quarterback, but you know what he was? He was a good game manager. Now you have Justin Fields who is an absolute game changer. You give him opportunities to throw down the field to DJ Moore. DJ Moore has been lighting it up and looks like an absolute stud. Uh, and you know, it's honestly first pick here. You've heard the talks about possibly trading this pick, or maybe you go and draft Caleb Williams and trade Justin Fields. I hate the idea of trading Justin Fields. I love the idea of trading Justin Fields to the Cowboys, but I hate the idea of the bears trading Justin Fields to literally anybody else. Um, so I personally don't think you trade this pick. I don't think, uh, I don't think you trade Justin Fields either. I think there's a great third option. And that third option is Marvin Harrison Jr. While I love DJ Moore out there, DJ Moore works the best out of the slot. What you really need is a true engineer on the outside and the inside like Marvin Harrison Jr. We've already seen what he could do with Kyle McCord. Just imagine how good he can be with Justin Fields full-time. Uh, in the making. If you don't go there, I do think there are some great defensive options. Or alternatively, if you do trade your first-round pick, trade it to somebody who has a top-five pick as well. Take their fifth you know, fifth pick and then take it a little bit after that. I, there's a lot of good options, but number one, don't trade Justin unless you trade him to the Cowboys. In which case, by all means, <laughs> trade Justin to the Cowboys. It's kind of funny when you look at this, like six weeks ago, it felt like a foregone conclusion. Caleb Williams is going to be a bear as soon as this, assuming the Panthers lost out. But the last six weeks since he came back from injury, he's been, his numbers are comparable to Lamar Jackson, the league MVP right That's now. Fantastic. Like he's, He's looked really good. Him and DJ Moore have been absolutely fantastic. The connections there. He's thrown lasers. wearing a DJ Moore jersey. There's a good reason for that. We're going to talk about that later as well, too. But that is among the many reasons. But he's been <coughs> absolutely sensational this year. And that's without really a running game, a consistent one besides him. Cole Komet's been a good tight end, but who else is he throwing to? I mean, Mooney's kind of disappeared. Tyler Scott's cool, but, like, there's not a whole lot there. It's basically Justin save us and find DJ Moore out there somewhere. And well, he's done that very, very well. And the defense, quietly since the Montez Sweat trade, top 10 defense since he's got there as well. Montez Sweat leads the Bears and the Commanders in sacks. That's how ridiculous he's been so far. 
is hey, flip side Allen has talent with that guy. I do <laughs> I do think he was the underrated piece of that trade trade room um, from the commanders to going to anywhere else. Obviously, everybody was pointing to Chase Young, but let's be honest, Chase Young just joined a group of all-stars already at that defense. You take Montez Sweat and you put him in that in that defense with with Chicago, who literally needed any talent up front. No offense, Chicago, but they got it. And yeah, these look fantastic. And I do think there's more that needs to be done to that defense. I think right now they're just like, they're kind of just like, okay, we're riding this wave that we have with our, our offense. So let's start make our defense opportunistic. I do think there's still more work that could be done there. Um, obviously you still see Tremaine Edmonds showing flashes of, uh, of what you've seen from big tree in the middle. Um, but he's not fully there yet. I think there's, there's been something that this through this season that he's just maybe something nagging. I don't know what's going on fully there. I do think there were opportunities for him to get healthy, but yeah, I think I think there's still more to be done with this defense for sure. I just I don't think the answer is Caleb Williams. I know why people want Caleb Williams to be the answer, but I think this is a situation like almost the reverse Kyler Murray situation. While you had a talent, supposedly talent, quarter, talented quarterback there, you had Kyler Murray who was a can't miss. Well, I think Caleb Williams is a miss. I think there's a possibility of missing on Caleb Williams, similar to to Trey Lance where it's just not necessarily a top 10 guy. I know this is me. This is me right here. Come at me. if You're going to come at anybody. Um, but I, I do think there's a chance that Caleb Williams doesn't succeed in the NFL. Um, just because look, USC quarterbacks historically don't do well, but on top of that, Caleb Williams has just shown some weird issues in college. I don't know what it, I can't pinpoint exactly what the issue is, but I just don't feel comfortable, comfortable with him at all. Um, being a number one pick. First of all, I don't really, I don't disagree with you that much. Honestly, like, there's some validity to what you said there. We are both in agreement that I think the right move is keep Justin Fields at this point. And I think I'm going to go back to what you said a little bit ago when I was dying. I think the best th- option here is look at the commanders that they want a quarterback. They're picking at three right now. If you could do swing that trade, <coughs> excuse me, get a bunch of picks from them, swing back to the third spot. New England's at two, probably taking Drake Mayer, the other quarterback, or Caleb Williams, the other quarterback. You can get Marvin Harrison Jr. in. The commanders stink. I think that's the best way to put it. Caleb Williams is not saving that team. You might end up having a 3P with the number one overall pick at that point. There's a real possibility you could pull that off. So (laughs) I love that idea. I I really do love the idea of them doing that. You can get a first for Justin Fields, maybe. But even that's like... (coughs) See, clearly I'm allergic to the idea of that. So I think they should just keep him at this point. Even that, too. Maybe you go get Brock Bowers. Get him a freakish Travis Kelsey-like tight end. Get him Fashanu from from Penn State. Get him Alt from Notre Dame. Something along those lines. I think if you could build that. The defense has been so solidly good. I think if you load up that offense, let's say Justin Fields ends up just, he's peaked and he just washes out from here. Let's just say like it never was going to work. You don't have to pay him. You still have next year and his fifth-year option from there. If it doesn't work, you can go ahead and cut your losses and try and Brock Purdy it where you just plug into somebody and make it work. If you have all of those picks, because you still have two first round picks this year, both of them sitting top 10 right now. Why not take the shot? I mean, and I agree with you with the Caleb Williams thing. The one I think what it is, is he's so incredible moving and out of structure, making those highlight plays, but you never see him just drop back five steps and throw a laser. I think that might be it too, is we see him do all the Patrick Mahomes highlight plays, but we don't see the normal structured offense as much. And I think that's what concerns people a little bit too. He's so good with Russell Wilsoning it almost honestly. To the to the point where the difference is Russell Wilson did it unnecessarily. He does it necessarily. Like it feels like Justin does it because he's literally running for his life. Um, that, I think those are the big two differences. But you know, I I, I do also want to point out Justin Fields' best 
situations in college. And even this goes back to his time at Georgia as well. And even going back to his time in high school where on a read option or some kind of play action passing situation. And you've seen it in the NFL when it's the, during the successful time. What is the top situation in which top top situation where he's able to light it up with DJ Moore? It's either extending plays when he's out of the pocket or it's off of play action slash read options where he keep where he keeps and throws to Moore in a screen or a short route or situation like that. But off the play action, it's usually a deep seam out of the slot or it's a deep post out of the slot. And it's he's just lit it up. I mean, really, he is just absolutely lit it up using this offense. And then on the reverse side, Caleb Williams is more the Russell Wilson that I hate, which is he unnecessarily holds on to the ball and tries to be a superhero, even though he doesn't need to. He has check down routes. And again, I know there are situations that it's a little different because we're talking college to pro type of conversation here, but it's just something about it makes me uncomfortable. It doesn't make me feel like I'm watching a number one overall pick. Like, and I'm, I might just be a hater here. I, that is a complete possibility. And I know I grew up a Notre Dame fan, so there's a little bit of hate for USC. But like, I've liked Caleb Williams his entire career. I just don't. I just don't think he's better than Justin Fields. I will say too. I think him getting tagged as generational and being put in the Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck category, I think is what's worrisome a little bit too. Because at that point, it feels like you're a Hall of Famer out of the gate like that. And so far, Trevor Lawrence has been fine, but he hasn't been that necessarily. And I think that's yeah. also should be a little concerning. I like Caleb Williams. He's the quarterback one for me in the draft, and I like the quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah. I just think there's some there's some leeway there as well too. Like he's not the he's not the ultimate can't miss, but he's still damn good. Like that arm talent's stupid. He's throwing seventy yard streams on a jump shot. I think it's <laughs> yeah. absolutely ridiculous. He's he's going to go somewhere, and make someone very very happy. I just think if you're the Bears, you already have a guy that can do a lot of the same things, and you can. DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison Jr. on the outside. Let's say you still have another top 10 pick and you pull Brock Bowers because no one wants a tight end. And then Cole Komet. You're oh, 11 yeah. still stupid. What, their their other pick is are sitting right now at number 10. Exactly. And if that one's I sitting, mean, you could easily get those two. Then you get defense. Like right now, I'm looking at a couple <laughs> mock drafts that have like Dallas Turner going to them at 10. I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. If they don't take Marvin Harrison with one and they want to go defensive, maybe go lock two at one with from UCLA and maybe with 10. Then you look at Dallas Turner or you look at another receiver. I mean, there's, oh my God, the number of receivers that are coming out this year that are quality is insane. But Meduse, Malik Nabbers, like, okay, take your, pick your pick. You have neighbors, you know, this is kind of like the LSU year where you have two guys again. And because you have Thomas coming out as well. Or maybe you go defensive on both picks. Maybe you go with Latu at one or you go with Dallas Turner at one. And then number two, you go with one of these top cornerbacks that are out there. Maybe Arnold from Alabama or you go with Kool-Aid uh, McHistory. Oh, yeah, Cloyd uh, McHistory or Nate Wiggins from Clemson. Like, it all depends on where you want to go there. I think there are options. I just, again, I'm just going to keep saying it a thousand and one times because I just, I'm trying to speak it into existence. I, you know, my, my grandma has this theory about speaking things into existence, and I'm going to pull grandma's theory out. I don't think Caleb Williams should go number one. I think the Bears <laughs> need to keep Justin Fields for their own success. And we're also talking about a team who still has not had a better passer in their career. Then Jordan Love this season. They have not had a better single season. That is true, too. Kelsey's point is it unfreezes right now, too. Jordan Love this season has more passing yards than any Bears quarterback in the history of the franchise, too. Like, that's all you need to know at this point. You drafted another quarterback into the situations, probably a little bit reckless when you could honestly just bring in talents like Marvin Harrison Jr., Nabbers. Roma Dunze, Brock Bowers, or grab both offensive line, grab Joe Alt and Fashanu, and just build an absolute wall in front of him. 
And there's going to be second round pick receivers. They have a hundred million dollars in cap space. They have an absolutely ridiculous amount of options to work with there. So I don't think you can, you could go in any direction right now. I think keeping fields is the smart decision as well. I like Caleb Williams. He's going to make someone happy. I like Drake May a lot. I think he's going to make a lot of people happy. Same with Jane Daniels and a lot of those guys. I think there's a lot of good quarterbacks here. I also want to throw one other fun idea out there as well, too. Just, just for ish and giggles. What team is in a terrible cap situation and needs a, and a kind of a rough quarterback situation with no relief in sight? Um, uh, um, I'm saying the Falcons. Is that the one you're going with? You're very close. I'm looking at the New Orleans Saints. Oh, okay, that one. Yeah, that one's bad. <laughs> what if they? What if maybe they wanted to go up to number one and part of that deal you get to bring Chris Olave in along with a bunch of picks, and then they find a way to offload Derek Carr's contract? Like, you know what? We're done kicking the can. We're done destroying our salary cap. We're going to renew this thing. They clear house. That includes Olave going to the Bears, kind of like TJ Moore did last year. Would you think they learned not to do that after what happened to the Panthers? But teams are dumb, and they repeat dumb mistakes. So you get to reunite Chris Olave with Justin Fields with DJ Moore out there too. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll throw out a couple more options. You, you ignore receiver completely in the draft. For whatever reason, you just don't, don't take – you trade your pick, you get a later pick, you take a whole bunch of picks in the first round, but you ignore receiver. You get offensive line, you get defense. Here's the list. Here's here are four free agent targets that I would look at. T. Higgins, all the money. Michael Pittman Jr. He better not leave. I know. Yeah, for you, I, I wouldn't want him to leave for you, but it's a possibility. Mike There's Evans, Mike Evans, Mister Walking Thousand Yard Season. Mike Evans, even a hobbling Thousand Yard Season sometimes. Yeah, and then a guy I'm a little higher on. Most people are not in Calvin Ridley. And a bonus pick, Gabe Davis. We've all seen what Gabe Davis can do when you actually throw him the ball. Imagine DJ Moore and Gabe Davis. What about DJ Moore and Mike Evans? I don't think anyone really can match up with that. That's a terrifying. Nobody can match up with Mike Evans alone. Nobody can match up with really DJ Moore alone. Put them both on the same field. What are you going to do? Double team both of them? Okay, Cole, commit. Go go get a 200-yard day today, Cole. Have fun. You're going to put T. Higgins one-on-one outside after what we saw him do the last few weeks where he's been healthy teabagging people. Oh, you you are going to double-team both of them, and you have someone to cover Cole Komet. Justin Field's going to boot scoot against that four-man rush. Like, no one's stopping it at that point. So, like, there's a lot I mean, to work on. Everybody's running that way with their back turned to Justin. All right, Justin, everybody's running to the same side of the field. You go to the opposite side. Good luck, everybody else touching that 4-2 speed. Oh, would you look at that? We have a 1,500-yard rusher now at quarterback because teams are hell-bent on not letting him throw the ball. What do you know? 1,500-yard you know, rusher with a 4,000 yards passing. Like, honestly, you could honestly see a 4,000, 1,500-yard season from him. Just to be absolutely ridiculous. So they got some options. And what's crazy is they're technically not mathematically – they did just get mathematically eliminated because they need a Green Bay, Minnesota, and a tie, which that did not happen. So they they weren't that far from eliminated until the last possible minute on Sunday. Well, maybe more or less halftime, honestly. But you get the point. So either yeah. way, like they're still a contending. They could be like last year's Lions that flipped the switch midseason and then carried it into next year. You never know. Yeah, like, exactly. And th- now, now I know with their big, huge cap space, we've talked about the defense enough. I will say this: you do have some guys you need to resign. That's that is for sure. Jayla Johnson should get a blank desk, blank check dropped off on it is locker to yesterday. Number one on that list right there is Jalen Johnson. Absolutely took it right, right out of my mouth. I honestly, the idea of him walking, if you're the Bears, is egregious. You need him. I, I don't care what his price tag is. You have the money to spend for the first time ever you can spend it on a corner. Sure. It's not going to look great when you're paying this guy, who's probably not a top four corner right now. 
he's top oh, 10. Top 10, though. Yeah, exactly. Top 10, but not a top four or five guy. Maybe not the best corner in the division, but he's still really good. I mean, depends on whether Jair Alexander is going to be suspended anymore. Uh, but I think until I further notice. He's not going to mess up the coin toss, most likely. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I mean, really, like, that's obviously number one on the list. And then you got a whole lot of options. This this free agency class is kind of, I'm not going to say it's the same as, like, the 2009-2010 NBA draft or free agency class where you saw LeBron, Wade, Bosch. But realistically, in a lot of the key positions the Bears need, it almost is like that. There are a lot of talented players right now that are going to be free agents this year. I don't know if it was planned out by that, that way by the players and their agents, but it just kind of works out this way that now here, going into 2024, we're going to have a whole lot of free agencies after this. And that's not including guys that are going to be cut because of cap casualties. That's true. We all know that happens regularly, and teams like the, the Bears should capitalize on that. There should be no reason that a team like the Cowboys should be taking – a top tier guy who gets cut because of cap casualties anymore. Like it, the bears should be like, you want 5 million? Here's seven. Come sign with us. Thank you. Hey, Khalil back. Do you want to come back at this point? Cause the charge has got to clear up some cap space too. bring back Khalil back who clearly still has it. Yeah. What about the Montez what rotational one year? Like there's, there's some options there. Like they have so much to work with it. I think we're both in agreement here. I like Caleb Williams and Drake, man. I think they are going to be pro bowl quarterbacks one day. I think Jada Daniels has a chance to be as well too. I, I think Michael right Penix for Jaden Daniels. I think if he goes to the right situation, he could be Lamar Jackson esque. If he goes to the right situation, if he, he goes to the wrong situation, LAS head coach. Yes, that is a big thing there as well. So he's got to go somewhere that is. So don't go to the Falcons. Definitely don't go to the Falcons. Don't go to Arthur Smith. <laughs> Unless they get rid of Arthur Smith, but that's another story for another day. Like there's, I think he in the right situation, he could be the best of the bunch. But I think the situation matters for him a little bit more than the other guys. Just. The way just the way it projects as well. So that, our final grades aren't out yet. So LSU fans don't come after us. We still have to do our grades and everything too. We got time. Things can change. And we already talked about our love affairs with Michael Pettix and Bo Nix. They're the conversation as well. Too. Yes. So we we have a lot there. But we did just mention Lamar Jackson. So I think we'd be remiss not to mention. I think he might have just locked up his second NFL MVP at this point, too. Entering some very, very unique, uh, very unique club, if you will. And weirdly enough, fun fact. Lamar Jackson wins his MVPs the year after Patrick Mahomes wins his. So I, I think every time Patrick Mahomes wins it, you know what, the next year, if Patrick wins another one, I am putting the house on Lamar winning it the following year because 2018, Patty wins it. Then 2019, Lamar's like, I got you, wins it. Last year, Patty wins it. This year, barring some sort of tomfoolery, I think it's safe to say Lamar's walking away with it at this point. His competition realistically was Brock Purdy, who he annihilated, CMC, who he helped annihilate, and is out for the final week of the season. Tyreek Hill, who is injured in a walking boot right now. So, I mean, like, I feel like it's Lamar or Buss at this point. I don't know who else you could give it to. So, Lamar locking up a second MVP. What what, what do we think here? Does he enter that category? Is, should he be next to Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow? Or are we still keeping him in the notch below? Or are we even saying he's better than those guys? Oh, let's be very clear about this. We all know how big of a stan I am for Lamar Jackson. I've been talking about this guy since he became a starting quarterback in the NFL as everybody hating on him for being a running back who throws and literally said in a press conference, he said it jokingly in, in jest to the reporter that said it about him. Mike Florio don't know ball. First of all, that's that's I, I know we talked about, you know, guys not say, or saying, I don't know. You don't know ball. Look, Mike Florio, you cannot call out Lamar Jackson and, and think that he's just going to walk away with it. No, 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 no. We don't do that. Um, and despite how much I love Ryan Clark's analysis on a lot of things, I will disagree with you on Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson has been fantastic this season. He jokingly said at the start of the season he was going to throw for 6,000 yards. Well, I mean, 
He almost hit 4,000, which for him is impressive because the guy still ran for over 1,000 yards, almost, what, 15, 17, 15? Uh, I think he's actually just under 1,000 this year. I think he's like 8,000. Okay, so, I mean, look, we're still talking about this guy who has thrown for 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions while completing 67.2% of his passes. Most quarterbacks nowadays are averaging 65. That's terrible. I mean, really, that is a terrible situation. Throwing 60, 67 is not great. Let's not be, let's not kid ourselves. But Drew Brees has the record 74. So, I mean, it's not too bad when you put it in. It's not, not great. Historically, <laughs> current age of quarterbacks, it's actually not bad. Um, you also throw the ball 20 to 40 times more a game. And probably on the field, too. <laughs> yeah. But look, it's, it's, it's been something I've talked about is his willingness to pass while moving in the pocket. And you saw a lot of it this year. He would scramble to pass. And I've said it, people just ignored me. They're like, oh, no, he just runs the run. No, the guy makes a decision, and that's that. This year, he's made a decision to get out of the pocket but not scramble. It's it's a conscious decision, and I mind you, sometimes he probably should have just scrambled because he's just that explosive. But realistically, it's a conscious decision he's doing because that's what he has to do to prove to all these people out here voting for MVP that he is actually a high-quality player and not just a guy, a running back who can throw. I mean, he has shown that to to me personally in spades, I've seen this time and time again, watching him play of uh, looking fantastic, throwing the ball and looking to throw the ball while scrambling, which is I mean, obviously one of his biggest weapons is his speed and agility and get, ability to get out of the pocket and improvise but his ability to throw a beautiful ball down the seam, down the sideline uh, between the numbers, however you want to, wherever you want to put it on the field, when he's scrambling, he's able to do it. And that's an impressive feat and something not a lot of quarterbacks can do. People are so impressed with Patrick Mahomes for his ability to scramble and make plays. Lamar Jackson's been doing this. We're talking about a dude who was near unanimous MVP, like already. And now he gets to have another one. I, I think this is well deserving. Um, I'm glad to see him healthy, especially coming off the injury last year, um, where we saw not a whole lot and maybe even like even the injury plagues the year before that uh, wasn't as bad as last year, but I still, I mean, Tyler Huntley went to a Pro Bowl because he was out so long. Um, so look, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we'll, I, I think I don't think we'll see Lamar at the Pro Bowl because I think he'll be in a Super Bowl this year. Um, spoiler alert! But uh, I do think you know he's well deserving of this MVP. Um, I, I don't I don't disagree with the idea of, of having him as an MVP right now. What I will say on top of that as well, I want to add to that is I was one year off with the Ravens because if anyone remembers our prediction last year, everything they're doing this year, that's what I thought they'd do last year. So I'm just gonna say I was a year off. I'm gonna say I manifested this. So Baltimore Ravens, you are welcome. The proof is in the videos. Go check out the shorts from a year ago. But I digress. I want to add on to that. Imagine if Mark Andrews was healthy, too. And we talked about his numbers might not be super inflated, may not look like those 38 touchdowns or whatever that you one might see normally. A, nobody's quarter, no quarterback's numbers look like that this year. It's been a very, very high-volume, low yardage and touchdown year, it feels like, across quarterback play, partially due to injuries. And then the normal people you see up there having off years like Patrick, Josh, et cetera. And then on top of that, he's right up there with them, and he's doing it without Mark Andrews. Odell makes a play every game, then gets hobbled and has to walk off. Zay Flowers is a rookie at five foot nine. He's been absolutely sensational. I think he's the MVP walk away at this point. And like you mentioned as well, if he can, how he's played so far these last few weeks, if he could carry that into the playoffs and continue it going, I think that's a very dangerous team. No one's going to want to play. Let's also kind of mention on top of that defense is top three, and it's not number three. I mean, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen are, the, are arguably the best linebacker duo besides maybe Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, but it's close. Secondary solid. Pass rush is stupidly good. David Clowney looks like he's playing at South Carolina again. Like, I don't know where this came from, but he looks the best he's ever looked at almost at 30 years old. And then they still can run the ball with anybody. Tom Munkin has actually done everything they wanted and more. I think 
They tried to tell us. I guess they tried to tell us his last offseason. He tried to tell us what they were going to do. And you know what? They've done it in spades. And the best part is, too, they aren't can-crushing, kind of like what the Dolphins have been doing, where their numbers – they smoked the Dolphins. They absolutely ran through them. Lamar had his best game as a pro, arguably. They ran through the 49ers, the, arguably the second favorite. If you checked out our Tier Tuesdays, they are right there with everybody else. So, and honestly, if you picking against the Ravens right now, even if you're right, it feels like a dumb bet right now, the way they're playing in. They should be going in healthy, resting guys this next week by the looks of it. Maybe a few drives, but make basically a preseason game. Then the bye week. And there is a chance Mark Andrews could come back if they go on get to the AFC Championship game or a Super Bowl from what Harbaugh was saying. I don't think he will, but there is a chance. You never know. Mark Andrews is one of those guys that's a freak amongst freaks. So not gonna yeah. not gonna bet him out there. So he plays with diabetes at this point in time, honestly. If he's if he's healthy enough, he's probably coming out here. And he's he he said he played a game through through uh uh almost a diabetic shock. Uh, that's horrific to think about having to play, having to just like deal with that and, 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 you know, on a daily basis, but like to be playing football and your sugar levels are that high or that low, that's terrible. That's terrifying. Absolutely. Uh, by, by the way, uh, to, to, to kind of verify my point about him scrambling and, and thinking to pass while scrambling this season, 14 quarterbacks have attempted at least 20 passes or more this season on dropbacks of five plus seconds. So extended plays according to, and that's according to true media. Jackson is the only one who has completed more than 50% at 58.6 of these passes. On top of that, he's one of just four who have completed even 40% of those passes. In total, 17 for 29 for 285 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions on these extended dropbacks, averaging 0.2 expected points added per attempt. Um, And these are on throws of at least five seconds. And the average is minus 0.08 per extended drop back uh, in the league. So kind of insane numbers to think about when you just look at, like I said, extended passes, scrambling to make plays, finding, buying time to get his receivers open. Um, He's been absolutely fantastic on it. Honestly, too, like everything we talk about, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, everything like that, it's kind of been Lamar's MO for the last four years. You just almost get, I don't want to say bored with it. It's almost like Lamar fatigue. It's like, oh, well, he's done that before. It's He's doing it better than all of those guys right now. Like he's been sensational i my only question and my only concern really for them is will the time off affect them because we saw in 2019 when they had when everything was kind of the same way they came out a little flat against tennessee and while lamar put up great numbers down the stretch they never got back it they got into the game really tennessee kind of controlled them as well so my only concern is does that rest affect them as well or does it make a positive thing and as long as odell doesn't get a yacht and take everybody on there during the time off they'll be you know what it'll be okay at looking at you giants from 2014 Hey, you know, unfortunately, uh, they can't lose out for the Browns to take their spot. Um, that's the unfortunate side of it. Because, uh, like, you know, remember, I, I forget which um, which year it was, but I believe it was the Colts who played Peyton Manning and starters for two plays for the last two weeks to lose unintentionally so they would not have the or the the number one seed so they could play a different team. I'm surprised that wouldn't happen like nowadays, especially with the way the bye week works. Because the bye week has proven to really hamper 90% of teams. So to your point, I do wonder about it because you just lose your rhythm. You lose that. It's like coming off a of bye week sometimes. It's just mentally not quite there, especially since it happens like holidays, end of regular season, bye week, playoffs. So like you have that whole holiday celebration during the time. So you get to relax a little more. It's a little bit hampering, if you will, to your success. 
I do wonder if it changes things now that there's only one of them as well. So maybe it's like, all right, we'd rather get that time to get healthy. Whereas before it's like, well, we got one or two. Let's go get two so we can play the easier matchup per se, like you were mentioning. So I do wonder if maybe at this point they're just like, nope, <coughs> we want one. We want home field all the time. We are sleeping in our own beds, whether it's for one game or we're going to Cancun in a week. Either way, we're not I mean, going on the road. For a team like Dallas, it makes sense. <laughs> for a team like Baltimore, who's going and beating every, at, at beating people everywhere they want to play, I don't know if it makes total sense. You never know as well, too. But I, I am curious to see what they decide to do with this week as well. And you know what? If anyone who has Lamar Jackson on their fantasy team had a very great last week because he put up numbers for them, unless they're playing again this week, then that kind of hurts as well. But yeah, sorry. We'll, get into, <laughs> we'll get into that in just a moment. But that's going to do it for the main event. And that's going to take us now into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. That is Crunch Time, brought to you by Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backslash Hilo Sports. Get yourself a free seven-day trial. Learn how to best smarter, not harder. And you know what? Try and win yourself. A little bit of money here as we round out the NFL season into the NBA season as well. And you know what, Kelsey? We've talked a lot about fantasy football over the years. We've been at the Fantasy Football Expo. We've done fantasy videos, fantasy predictions, everything you can think of. But we've never really actually shown the fruits of our labor, if you will. Like, we've never actually shown yeah. what happens with it as well. So I think now would be a good time as any we could show. We're not the best at fantasy football because 50% of it is dumb luck, if we're being honest. Like, <laughs> and the other 50% is the other people in your league just being silly. Like there's and, and expectations. I mean, you set your lineup to expectations, but when it when players on the other side decide to post fifty points in a championship game, there's not a whole lot you can do in that situation. You just hope for the best. Not much you can do when Amari Cooper's having an all time season against the Texans in a playoffs situation. Or Ceedee Lamb in my championship game in my work league. Pain and suffering on top of that. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go and take a look at a couple of the leagues. This is the first one that Kelsey and I were in as well, and. This one, as you can see right here in the championship, we were I was able to survive that one by the skin of my chinny chin chin. As we go, we could go and take a look at the matchup as well, too. Where I won this game was Kyron Williams, my midseason pickup as well. That nearly killed me when he was out for, a, for out for a month. But down the stretch, man is coming clutch. And not to mention our good friend, fr new friend of the show and new favorite jersey, DJ Moore with a 30 piece in the playoffs as well, who is actually on my other team that is still going right now, which we won't get into that one. So this is what we're looking at for here. Now we'll go into the one that those who've been following us kind of know a little bit about too. That's the Belly Up Sports League that Kelsey and I both drafted on that high low on that Belly Up Sports Super Fantasy show. And unfortunately, we were a day late and a Travis Kelsey short is his 4.6 points. He kind of he crumbled our castle on that one. So he he kind of let us down there. We were very close. We were right in the thick of things. Travis Etienne losing his mind on that 80 yard run, and then Travis Kelsey not existing kind of did us in there. But Second place with 14. A torn filling, by the way, with Travis Etienne scampering down the sideline. Because I'm like, yes, I need Travis Etienne to score a touchdown. But no, our fantasy football championship. Exactly. Was, same with Matthew Stafford. As you saw in my other league, he was the quarterback. It's like, yes, no, oh, no. Ah, it was pain across the board. And we have a couple of other leagues we don't have here to bring up right now. But one of them I'm in a championship in right now. It's a two-weeker. Down by 18, but we'll see. Because most of my guys, I think, aren't sitting this week. So I, I lucked out there, including DJ Moore. So DJ, don't let me down for the namesake. And Kelsey, you have a couple of teams that are still going right now as well, if I'm not mistaken, or you had a couple that were in the championship. Yeah, no, I just, I finally finished, I finished all mine. Um, all my leagues are done now. Um, my total wrap-up, obviously, beyond our leagues, is three championship appearances, zero championship victories, uh, and a whole bunch of second places. And then uh, outside of our league, our football degenerates league, the one you won the championship in, um, that one I finished in seventh, and then another league I finished in tenth. So, uh, but yeah, no, my, like, my work league was the one I was probably the most proud of. Had a great team. Had Jalen Hurts, had Chris McCaffrey, had Zamir White fill in fantastically for me. Uh, Devontae Smith, 
DJ Moore, a friend there of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Sam Laporta, Gabe Davis at the Dolphins defense, which is not a smart pick, by the way, to start uh, to go with last week. Not and last Justin week Tucker. before that, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, my team looked fantastic. Unfortunately, I went up against a guy who had Justin Fields, who went off. I went up against a guy, he had, uh, um, I just mentioned him, CeeDee Lamb. Um, let's see, who else does he have? He has Austin Eckler, Kyron Williams, um, Zay Flowers, who went off for a game. Isaiah Likely, that one-handed catch, while amazing, and I loved every second of it for my bets. I hated every second of it for my work league because I literally watched the championship scamper down the sideline after a beautiful one-handed catch. I'm just like, there it goes. Bye. That was my chance, and it's all gone now. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, watching Brandon Ayuk get open for touchdowns. I said he was going to be good this year for the Niners. I hated seeing him go and just every time Brock Purdy's in the end in in the red zone, he's like, hmm, you know who I should throw to? My five foot ten receiver, Brandon Ayuk. That's who I'm going to throw the ball to. Every time, every single time, made absolutely no sense. And to piggyback off of what you said as well, let's not forget to mention that uh, Christian McCaffrey was on sixty percent of teams in the championship of all yeah, teams. Advantage the statistic shows he was on sixty percent of teams participating, which is absolutely nutty. And I've made it a rule in the past to not draft him. But after his appearance in San Francisco last year and just how he just was dominant from day one, I was like, you know, maybe maybe we roll the dice. Maybe we take the chance. And it worked in my work league. I was shocked. I I, I took the chance. I had, like, pick number three, two, oh, I think. Awesome. And and I was just like, you know what? Why not? Let's take, let's take McCaffrey. We'll see what happens. And lo and behold, it worked out. It worked out beautifully as well. So fantasy football, a whole lot of fun as well. And Although I want to see somebody make a gif of when as I like, like does that one-handed catch, I want them to make a gif of him catching it, and then like a you crying face as he's running into the end zone, running away oh. with your championship of the, of the sideline. Uh, if anybody remembers the days of of insert name or of uh, unhinged FC, we did uh, I did with with Hector. Um, we we he actually there was a there's a gif made of Hector sitting down on his seat, uh, sitting down on his bed, and then just head down crying. Um, after one of the games and and that's been a, a gift that uh, happens every ever since and so that's what i think of seeing that isaiah likely on replay um that just it hurt me it hurt and you know what we're gonna do it all again next year as well too i can't oh, yeah. wait for that as well and you know what now that we have some credentials with us now some proving credentials behind us maybe you know we'll do more fantasy football shows next week we'll or next year excuse me so let us let us know if you want to see more of that because we do have some credentials we have some other leagues that we participate in the draft and that are doing pretty well as well too. Like we have a very extensive portfolio of not being last, which is yeah, all you can do. Including the, the teams that we uh, assist on their, their player selection, if you will. Um, you know, we, we have done that with quite a, a number of people. I know I did it for one of my work buddies. He, uh, he was asking me a bunch of questions for his final, his league um, for the, the championship game. Uh, all of my picks exceeded expectations and helped get him a championship. Um, I was shocked about that. I was like, there's no way. Like I said, like I said, we we don't claim to be experts. We just claim not to be doofuses, which can sometimes be all you need, and sometimes our ass backwards thinking works out. Yeah, and all it is, is we just look at the game. We just look at the game. At the end of the day, we don't look at the stats, the, the fantasy gurus, experts, picks, and stuff like that. It's just I don't know. I, maybe it's just me. I don't really look at their fantasy production. I look at their actual statistical productions, and because you can find a lot more trends from that than you, I feel like you can from actually analyzing their fantasy production. I don't know. That's just me though. A little bit of everything. I think we a little bit of everything, just whatever we can find and what we feel good about as well. Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. But you know what? We're still going to do it again next year, and the Fantasy Football Expo is going to be a blast now that we have some yeah, imaginary. Check, uh, 
we'll be we'll be there August 9th through eleventh. Or I don't know. I'm, you might I don't know if you'll make the trip out, but I'll be there August 9th through eleventh. Um and then I know you'll 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 be there at least two of the three days. Um because we have a flag football thing that we need to actually uh succeed at this year, not just win one game. We need to we need to win four. I just need to be able to actually run. So I'll be sitting on the sideline until the game starts. No, no ankle injuries this year as well. But that's going to do it for this week on the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us and dealing with me dying of sickness as well, too. Be sure to stay healthy out there, and we will see you all again next week.